0: on the substance a podcast aiming at being biblical thoughtful and human join us each week as we engage the culture without the culture war i'm here live with hey my two friends vincent edwards yes sir and philip marinello
1: what's going on everybody vince it's good to have you in the flesh here yes again. i'm so
0: glad to be back in town my name's Trevor Aiken, and we oh, yeah, also have, yeah,
1: <laughs> yep.
0: it, it turns out, that's what my mom named me, and joining us this week is David Marshall from the Kaiju Apostle Podcast. Welcome, David. Thank you very much for having me.
1: Yeah, man, glad, uh, glad we were able to make this happen. We've been talking about this for a while, right?
0: Mm-hmm. So this is like a Kansas City podcast, like, yeah, epic handshake. Yeah? Yeah. Well, we've been talking about this, yeah.
1: <laughs> Little Casey, Casey Moe uh, nice. podcast crossover, man love it i'm loving it so the film we have today as you can see you clicked on it was is the original godzilla
0: yeah mm-hmm. so a
1: movie that not
0: 1998 oh crap. i was hoping was we a... could
1: go through this whole <laughs> thing without mentioning that <laughs> <laughs> yep. yep. i yep. ruined yep. Yep. <laughs> your
2: movie aspirations
0: yet again it's fine
2: all day i was like man <laughs> like what if i actually did watch the 98 one just prep myself for that that would be then, nice. I, I wouldn't do it to myself but you know <laughs> You're like, i refuse I to curious. watch that i job. am
1: gonna revisit it at some point I mean, It's alright. so godzilla 1954 the original one here spoiler warning if you get if you haven't seen this before definitely recommend that you do I'm sure that plenty of folks who are coming to this have not seen it I believe I'm certain it's streaming on HBO Max it is mm-hmm. it may I feel like it was on prime I don't know if it still is but um listeners can find it in a number of places. also for free on archive.org I believe I might throw the free link in the um show notes there as you well go. so we're going to be talking about what happens in the film in depth but kind of before we get into anything I'd love to hear Trev and Vince um hit me with kind of what you maybe were thinking when I suggested we do this and then kind of like what happened with your expectations versus reality when you actually watched it.
0: I feel like my take on this might be representative to a lot of folks coming to this, like from our audience. Because it's kind of like why? (laughs) (laughs) Why is (laughs) the substance covering Godzilla? Like we're the substance, like it's it's usually deeper takes on we like, have cultural standards, things. standards,
1: okay? <laughs> hey, we covered Interstellar. I mean, we'll go pretty <laughs> Hey, no, come on.
0: But <laughs> we'll it's like, it, when, when people think Godzilla, when I think Godzilla, I just think, okay, big monster movie. Like, literally to know the title is to know all you need to know. Kind of like Pacific Rim. You just think, okay. Also a very good movie. I saw the trailer. Like, I I know big what... Big monster wreck stuff. Yeah, like, I yeah. get it, right? Like, I just, I already get it. And usually... That's not typically what we get. So I, I knew, I trusted Philip enough to know like, okay, well, if he's recommending it, there's something else there. There's something else going on. And so I, I don't think I went into it with a ton of expectations. And I will say it, it exceeded expectations. It was a fun experience, transported me back to like the early days, not the early, early days, but like an earlier time in cinema, like a pre-ILM experience True. in mm. practical cinema effects, and um tactile yeah because there is obviously there's a lot of effects going on um uh, to make that movie happen to pull it off i watching a japanese film too is kind of fun it's kind of fun to think about it in comparison to some other like art that's produced in japan mm. in the sure. anime realm and things like that and so i enjoyed it i don't think it would still be on my like Oh, I have to take this home. Like, I have to own this. I have to watch sure. this again. But like, there's definitely meaningful things going on there. It was definitely a worthy watch, and I think it's definitely a really worthy subject. I'm glad to hear that, Vince. What about
3: you? Yeah, uh, <laughs> initial expectations was I-, I already don't have much of an affinity towards old school movies sure. in general. <laughs> uh, are you like, I- are you
1: I- one of those guys that like doesn't watch movies before Star Wars?
3: Well, no, I'll enjoy maybe. Like I like White Christmas, okay, that old super old school movie. Yeah, Uh, but that's because I really love music, and so that drew me in. But I usually don't go for it. So I was like, you know what? It's for the podcast. Let's just get into it. And it it took me a minute to get through it. It's only like hour thirty. It took me like three hours to finish because I kept (laughs) taking breaks. But.
1: That is not how you
3: watch movies. I I think I did get, I I agree with Trevor. It exceeded my expectations because I I thought it was just going to be like, yeah, like a really, I'm used, I've gotten spoiled by today's technology when it comes to monster movies. And so I'm going to look at this and see everything that's wrong with it. It's just going to be like boring, but it actually wasn't, um, it was, it was more engaging. And like I said, there's a storyline with it. And so there's, there's actually a deeper thought. what's going on so i i thought it was pretty good i i also agree with trevor i wouldn't like put it on my list and say i need to watch this again i need to analyze it and really really get into it more than it was like i i appreciate Yo, I've it. got
0: this mental image right now <laughs> of like Godzilla coming through Tokyo and just like atomic breath in, like, melting stuff and setting stuff on fire. And then Vince is like, nah, pause. Like, I, go I need get a some, break. I get some like popcorn or something. I think <laughs> you watch the
2: Peter Jackson King Kong movie. That's like three hours long. It is. Oof. But it's prettier. There you
3: go. a Gorgeous movie. For two days. <laughs>
2: No,
1: I have not watched that since it came out, I don't think. Um, mm. So David, before you kind of talk a little bit about the history of um, your history with the film and mm-hmm. with the franchise, mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of the the listeners who may have clicked on this, who who know you from the Kaiju Apostle, already know you a little bit already, but for some of the substance listeners who may not be familiar with yourself or the Kaiju Apostle, why don't you kind of talk a little bit about your background here with the film?
2: Yeah, Absolutely. So again, my name's David. Uh, started the Kaiju Apostle podcast back in 2019 with uh, my buddy Chris. He lives out in uh, We in Illinois, and it really just came from a desire to look at these films through what I would argue kind of a allegorical uh, approach, um, in the sense that I'm very into early church theology, patristic stuff like that, and mm. I really like the idea of looking at something and having a creative approach to it without going against the meaning, right? That's something sure. that, you know, we see even in the gospels, the way the gospels writers would take, you know, some of these old Testament passages and they'd be creative with it, but it was never like disrespectful. It never like denied that there's an original meaning. It's just, how do you come up with something new? And cause I grew up with these movies, you know, it was, um, My mom introduced me to him. She grew up watching him in the drive-in and stuff like that. Uh, The Americanized version of this film, which came out in 1956, that was probably the first movie I watched uh, when I was like two or something like that. Oh, Uh, wow. So it's something that's been with me for, at this point, almost three decades. So it's just, it's one of those, you know, it's, it's a franchise that if you give it a chance, you can actually see a lot of depth, but again, a lot of people when they think of oh, they just, what well, you're talking about Pacific Rim, just giant monsters like blowing up buildings or, you know, laying into each other. You know, you're seeing all these commercials, which for-
1: is a lot of fun. And it is. there's plenty it of is. other, there's plenty of other entries in the franchise later on that are big monster fights that also do have substantive themes Correct. as well. Mm. But, uh, they're definitely, I feel like this is definitely the strongest film as far as themes go.
2: Oh, absolutely. This is honestly, I would say as a film, this is the best one because I mean, you have people like, you know, Takashi Shimura, which you've ever watched any, um, if you watch any Kurosawa films, you've seen him in there. Right, Um, Trevor,
1: Kurosawa films, all those that
0: you've seen yeah my
2: buddy kurosawa yeah <laughs> um but there's there's a lot in the the guy who handled the special effects Eiji subaraya i mean he was absolutely revolutionary he would eventually mm-hmm. end up creating the the series Ultraman. um but which to, is
1: my son's one of my son's favorite things right now and that's it's awesome. a delight to watch with him that's
2: awesome so, but yeah, I mean there's just there's a lot to these movies that people just they don't see when they just think of men in rubber suits, right? Mm-hmm. And again, yeah, there's a lot of good movies when you come in regard like the action and the fun stuff, but there's a lot of these movies where if you look at the context, like there's one movie All Monsters Attack it's typically Criticized most strongly by general Godzilla fans because he used stock footage. It's about I a kid. It. I a, I was going to get to that at the
1: end. I I adore that
2: movie. It, it's a good it. movie. And when you look at the context of why it was made, you know, there's a lot of societal things that uh, the director Shiro Honda, which also who directed this movie Godzilla 1954, you know, he's talking about latchkey kids, right? Parents who would both have to work long hours into the night and leave the kid at home in order to pay the bills. You're dealing with Uh, the societal pressures put on kids and the way that they're kind of having this mob mentality of working together and just there's all these different things that if you look at what's happening in 1950s 1960s japan it's more than just monster films monster films are it's it's a it's a vehicle to Mm -hmm. share a much deeper and more significant message than just explosions and yeah all that.
0: that was one of the things i said to philip like when we were kind of doing our initial reflections on it was that it seemed to me like you use godzilla like why do you write a story like this and it's like you you use godzilla to represent an adversarial force mm-hmm. or not even almost adversarial gives it too much like almost just a force yeah mm-hmm. that your characters then have to interact with and Their character development and the community's development and response to it is really the point exactly. rather than what the force is itself. And and so once you realize that coming to this, you can maybe really see why it belongs on the substantive cinema list. 100%.
1: So let's backtrack a little bit there. David, since you're the expert, Mm -hmm. you want to give us a 60-second kind of plot summary of the film before we get into themes. How would you explain... Godzilla in one to two minutes for uh, some of that maybe hasn't seen it and doesn't want to and just wants to hear us talk about it.
2: Oh man, I, I was not prepared for that. Let me pull up uh, IMDb really quick. <laughs> no, so <laughs> a I would say a Japanese community is struggling to figure out why their ships keep disappearing, right? And they're wondering, you know, why their men aren't coming home. And what they discover is that in a A local island, there has been a a village that has uh, centered their community around Godzilla, which is a deity of sorts. And what they're realizing is that there were some prehistoric creatures that lived down there. But because of the H-bomb testing in the 1950s by the United States, which is not directly referenced in the film, these... Dinosaurs really have now transformed into a much larger and looming presence. So now what we're really seeing is a community trying to figure out what do we do in the face of this of this threat. You have one party, which is Dr. Yamane, played by Takashi Shimura, who we mentioned before, who sees this as the ability to bring healing to Japan after being bombed by the United States and people dying and struggling from radioactive poisoning, you know, they're like, Hey, we could study this monster and find a way to potentially heal our country. But then you have everyone else who's like, no, we need to defeat the monster. You know, we need to stop the destruction before it's too late. And in the midst of this, you do have a typical Japanese film love triangle, uh, which I think is handled pretty well, all things considered. You do have uh, the daughter of Dr. Yamani. You have uh, uh, Ogata. He's a sailor, and then you have Dr. Sarazawa, who has uh, developed a oxygen destroyer. Um, but what he's realizing is he has created a weapon of mass destruction. And not wanting to be like the United States, he is scared of unleashing this weapon uh, to the world. So that's kind of the ethical dilemma everyone's trying to figure out the best way to handle this while a giant dinosaur is tearing Japan to shreds
1: quite a lot in there for a monster yeah, smash yes. movie right oh, well 100%. again
2: once you realize what these monster films are set to do you realize like oh that's kind of standard fare. but this 100%. definitely set the tone moving forward to be because I mean look back at like Frankenstein you look at you know mm-hmm. Dracula all the, those were monster films and like they all still like yeah. So much going on there. It's incredible. Yeah. But people mm. just, oh, it's a vampire.
0: Yeah, Frankenstein's my wife's favorite book. And when I was talking to her about Godzilla, because she kind of has that reaction too, she's mm-hmm. like, no, I could totally see she made the analogy to Frankenstein as well. yeah Nice work, Christina. Uh, so yeah, that's you know, when you have English lit degree. So Trev, <laughs> you saw this the film pretty recently. What would you say what has
1: stuck with you as far as the themes of the film? What would you say? As far as, like, our substantive cinema purview, what do yeah. you think are kind of some of the stronger themes in the movie?
0: Well, and I thought, felt like David's summary was so good of it because it's this ethical questions, right? Godzilla kind of is all yeah. about ethics, because the original one. Because, yeah, you have these two different approaches. One of them is almost driven by love, and the other one is driven by fear. Yep. And even within the the one driven by fear, which is kill the thing, there is a kind of circumspect fear and then just an unbridled fear well yeah like in the fear
1: camp there are kind of two distinct points of view as well like the well the pretty ineffective let's try to shoot it blow it up with tanks blow it up like stop it with a like it's pretty clear that godzilla can't be stopped by any of the the, the traditional means
0: but yeah it feels like the the reason why you need godzilla who can't be stopped by any of the traditional means is it forces the development of a greater weapon yes um and and Which, so in the
1: fallout of world war ii like yeah this is and i i believe it's true i forgot exactly what year it was but i think officially in the arts in japan because things are pretty regulated over there mm-hmm. there was kind of an embargo like you cannot talk about or explicitly reference the atomic bomb in pop culture well wow. i think godzilla mm. was the first like wide piece of pop culture to actually deal with atomic fallout
0: yeah Po in the Dang. post-war
1: period so at the time i mean it's a heavy it's a heavy movie now yeah. in 2021 to watch like in 1954 in japan like yeah. This is pressing all of the pain points.
0: And, I mean, Japan's got a front row seat to this, but also the entire world at this point. And at that point in time, right, we are talking about really the Cold War has been kicked off and is in full gear. Um, Russia yeah, is, atomic fear get it, and paranoia yeah.
1: is like mm-hmm. kind of at an all time high because
0: there was a little bit of time where Russia hadn't had like didn't have nuclear capabilities. We were like
1: one or two years ahead of them, right?
0: Yeah, and and so once they developed that in the mid fifties, I mean, you still that's when you start having all of that thing that we look back on now and think about you know the drills at schools and stuff like that, and sure. so. Yeah, it really does enter into that conversation to say, whoa, is an arms race, what does this mean for humanity? Mm-hmm. This, this Really just even this whole approach, and I almost feel like Sirizawa is there to kind of be the foil for what maybe what they thought America and maybe the scientific community should have been. Exactly. Mm-hmm. With the atomic bomb.
2: Well, to add a little context, because it's something that, you know, if you're not super familiar with this time of history, most people wouldn't think about it. So obviously the bombing, everyone knows about the bombs that were dropped on Hiroshima and and Nagasaki, right? Mm -hmm. But what's interesting, I I say interesting in a very poignant way, um, there's actually a scene that was cut out because what sets the backdrop for this movie is something that happened probably about six months before the movie was even released is you have the the hydrogen bomb testing on the marshall islands it was march 1st Mm. 1954 which Mm. the hydrogen bomb that was used which they do reference that in the movie but it was almost a thousand times more powerful than the bomb dropped on hiroshima that's right right.
1: yeah so
2: what's crazy though is the fact that like The Americans, they took the proper precaution to get their people away because of the fallout, but they didn't say anything to Japan because, well, really. Uh, They're not uh, like,
1: heads up, we're testing this in your backyard. Yeah, if they
2: did, it was like the bare minimum, and what they weren't expecting was the the fallout to actually spread out and affect a bunch of, again, the The fishing boats. Fishing boats, yeah, like all the fish that were contaminated had to be thrown out. So, I mean, that's, you know, it's not Ooh. just World War II. It's like this is something that yep. was very fresh it in was their like, minds. Yeah. And know? a lot of people and, probably
1: wouldn't know this unless they dug deep, but the fishing boat in the movie, like, they named that fishing boat after the fishing boat that had all the fallout cover it. was the it, Lucky and, like, Dragon.
2: Yeah, Lucky like, Dragon well.
1: number five. Like, that was, like, a note to something that had just happened.
0: Did people get sick from that? Do you, do you,
1: oh, yeah, I mean, like just, not yeah, good. Died? yeah, not good, yeah.
2: So, Gosh. I mean, there is, there's, I don't know if the right terminology, but I mean, the United States got sued and all this stuff. And it's just yeah. one of yeah. those things where it's, yeah, there's, there's, and lots that's in like there. the first
1: couple of minutes of the movie, yeah. too. Yeah. yeah.
0: Right. It's interesting because the professor, help me out with the name, Dr. Yamani. Yeah. He is just literally he might as well be talking to a wall he's saying like let's study it this kind of thing and what's funny is the film just kind of shows all of society yeah, not the, the... even entertaining his option <laughs> yes it's just he's like we... he's like the crazy person yeah. it's like but we have to kill it like <laughs> like we have to kill it though right yeah and it's it's interesting because there's this really poignant moment where. One of the, the like you were talking about the love triangle, I think it's Ogata, who's like, he asked him point blank, like, what what do you think? Are you with all these people who want to kill him? And he's like, well, we got to keep Japan safe, you know, mm-hmm. and kind of that fear driven response. He's like, get out of my house. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because he understands, yeah, there might be a better way to do war and weaponry and all that kind of stuff in that thing. But like maybe the better path in general (laughs) is to avoid it is to find a different solution to the problems. Mm -hmm. Well, it's like the, the, how, how
1: violence kind of begets violence, right? Because Godzilla existed ahead of time. You have this, all the scenes with the Islanders talking about their traditions of like like sometimes if things got really bad, they would have to sacrifice one of the young girls of the tribe to Mm -hmm. Godzilla, but he was just a Jurassic creature. But then the H bomb turned him into the irradiated monster that had the atomic breath and kind of made him invulnerable to all the attacks. So like they created Godzilla and now it's like, Oh shoot, our violence has created this thing that we need to get even more violent to stop and I mean, the film really does paint a pretty bleak picture mm-hmm. of um, just how, how, that st- how violence can progress like mm-hmm. that. Because yeah. I mean, you can't have Godzilla tearing everything up and, and like, let's have peace because you kind of can't have peace with Godzilla at that point.
0: And I think being like out of the Cold War age, some of this is lost on us. We hear about this, we read about this, but because there's kind of this general peace now, like... We don't really take a lot of time to sit back and think as a people. Mankind literally has the capability now to destroy, destroy the planet Earth, yeah, all life. We do. That's it's sitting in bunkers, it's that's just insane. waiting for the wrong person to press a button somewhere. And like, mm-hmm. that's not to strike fear in the hearts, but that's to like, it's sobering. to cause a sober theological questioning mm-hmm. as well. Because we have a certain eschatology, obviously. In other words, a, a belief about what the Bible teaches is going to happen at the end of the world. But at the same time, there's no... Like, I've, I've studied eschatology. I've studied what the Bible says about the end times. I don't see any guarantee that says that somewhere along the line, mankind doesn't screw it up in some big way and pull the trigger. The, God uses means. The, the Black like. Death was devastating to Europe, right? And, and a lot of the Europe-Asia region. There was a lot of different events in history that have felt like the end of times to different folks, and now we look back on them in history, and we're like, yeah, that was rough. We have this now... Like, this power exists as an ethical dilemma and a stewardship problem big time. Mm-hmm. And it's important for humanity to think about that, and it's stuff like these things that kind of help us maybe turn our minds to that and what that means.
1: And I love how Ishiro Honda, in this one in particular, uses the artifice of popular entertainment to genuinely engage with these things. Right. You kind of can't have these, these conversations would not be engaging or interesting to have in a lecture form, or certainly not as interesting or engaging. I mean, right? I'd probably watch it, but
0: yeah, I mean, I, I might, <laughs> but, but less like, people would, how less much, people would.
1: well, I mean, we talk all the time. Like we talked about with um, KSP about like how art, how fiction and how art yeah. can engage us on just a different level.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. And like, we, like some of the conversations we were just having about like, why is it that it seems like a lot of the news that's given out today, um, and when topics are really being explained in depth, that's being done by comedians. And R I P journalism, right? Right. Yeah, it seems like, <laughs> but but I think it's because people like if you want to engage at a popular level. Obviously, all those studies and things are out there, but to have somebody pull it together and give it at a popular level that's entertaining and and will keep you engaged in the content so that you retain it, like that takes a special skill set. Well, since since
1: we're on this topic now, uh, on on the Criterion edition of Godzilla, which is the one that Trevor and I watched, the physical edition comes with an essay by uh, Jay Hoberman, and one of the things he talks about in relation to this, the violence and the bombs and the escalating nature of that, towards the end, he says, Sarazawa equates his oxygen destroyer, which is kind of the the big final device that eventually in the film defeats Godzilla, mm-hmm. Serizawa equates his oxygen destroyer with the H-bomb, and is persuaded to use it against the H-bomb, as it were, Godzilla, only by a television spectacle of schoolgirls singing a peace hymn. As this music is reprised in Godzilla's last moments, it associates the monster with its human victims. Again, like... Godzilla was both a a victim and a victimizer, as mm-hmm. it were. Like, the movie doesn't flinch, really. Like, there are a lot of women and children that get killed basically on screen. Mm. It's kind of rough,
0: man. That was Those were some of the hardest parts of the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely.
1: Like, you think, oh, like, it's it's the 50s. Like, they're doing miniatures. Like, it's going to be silly. But, like, every time I watch it, and I think if you watch the Japanese version and not the dubbed version... Having to read subtitles, like, makes you focus in more, and you're in it. And those scenes of Destruction man, like, you mm. feel that.:
2: We'll be where Daddy is soon. Right that line.
1: Yeah.
0: <sighs> yeah. And that whole part, like so he's in Tokyo, and Tokyo is burning. I don't know, like, I know there's obviously a ton of atomic connection, but I started talking to Philip about this at the time, about the connection of the Tokyo firebombing. I don't know how much evidence there is that that is in the mind of the director as well, but actually, like, more people died in the Tokyo firebombing, right, in that short period of time than than even in the atomic bombs. And the craziness of the conflagration and how concentrated and, how people were trapped and like, they tried to flee to safety, but it turned out that it, the fire was so hot in the entire area that even concrete buildings just became ovens. And and like the reality of like these people going where daddy's going, like this isn't fiction for them. This is very real. Like just, and, and it kind of connected to me because it, it seems like in Japanese anime and those kind of things, you always have these like Dragon Ball or like, um, or naruto or one punch man or all this stuff you have these guys who are like these super powerful people with super powerful villains who come in and just like wreck whole sections of the town like just skyscrapers falling down and all this kind of thing and i just wondered if like but they saw that happening to their cities That's part
1: of the national consciousness in a way that you yeah. don't
3: share
0: yeah
1: Vince, what stuck out to you? On an artistic set, what did you think about the music? Do you have any thoughts y- on that? Yeah,
3: actually, that was the part that really, uh, the the piece hymn that you were, you were mm. referencing earlier, that. Um, you tear up, it it, it Just... reminded me of the music that came near the end of Schindler's List. And I okay. know they're not the same, but that music impact of like they're singing. And you're looking at the words and you're and you're also listening to kind of how they're doing that. And it's signifying something that is supposed to have an, an emotional response. And it just reminded me of that because I was one of the older movies and they had uh. I can't remember it in, in its entirety but I remember that there are a lot of Jews that were saved from a lot of concentration camps um yet the the main character you know had that music following him as he cried because he felt like he could save more um and mm. so it's it, it was just like that was one of the parts that kind of caught me off guard um because i wasn't expecting to feel a whole bunch more mm. than just intellectually think about a lot of things mm. um but then when i actually like heard that and was paying attention to it it was like it was pulling at my heartstrings a little mm. and i was like uh okay. this Godzilla
1: is making me feel right.
3: this is this is Godzilla still right <laughs> yeah but yeah that was that was one of my big takeaways was just the the music of it was was very, and I mean, other areas where the music was played and kind of that, that marching tone and things like that in other areas was, was really good. And it was, I, I will say, that those movies in a lot of ways do better in the older films than in some of the modern stuff because it's super ambiguous and it's just kind of placed there. And it's yeah. like, we, we hope music, this fits to the them. music in this film oh, was true. composed
1: specifically to kind of create that mood. And man, I think the opening is so strong. It's just. Black background with white text, like, very, very sparse, like, here's who created the movie, and the the music is so, like, intense, and it sets the mood right away with, like, some of the screeches and animal sounds and just some of the, like, the, the thumping It's a music. very driving it's beat with a... Yeah. Very much. Yeah. And then it goes right into, like, the ship getting bombed. Like, it's, it's very effective.
3: Mm-hmm. So David, what are some things that you would say, Here, here's some things you can be expecting to understand that relates to just life or time now from yeah. that film?
2: Yeah, so obviously I want people to, I was talking to someone earlier today, I was like, man, I, I want to be, I want to find someone who has never heard of Godzilla and has no idea what Godzilla is and sit them down and watch this movie. Mm, um, that might be it, hard, but yeah, I know because it's so ingrained in a pop culture for better or for worse. But so without like really spoiling any plot points, I mean, I think what someone now who watched this movie something they can make a correlation, or you know, being able to find something to apply, I guess maybe in their life is kind of a way. So first of all, cheating's bad, right? Adultery's bad. So let's just right. get that out of the way. That love triangle, man bothers me no so okay <laughs> no just kidding no I, I think there's something you're talking about redemptive violence or the cycle of violence right so it you know it's important to understand shiro honda he was a pacifist he did mm-hmm. uh serve in the japanese military uh it was not necessarily by choice and i say that in the i guess simplest way possible he was forced to be in the military to the end of his life, he uh, would have night terrors and still wouldn't even tell his wife about some of the stuff he witnessed. Um, mm-hmm. He uh, was a part of a uh, uh, managing a comfort uh, comfort woman as well, which is pretty much you know, like a brothel, um one of the things he tried to uh, atone for in his life. But all that said, so he was a pacifist, and you see a lot of that in this movie where with Dr. Sarazawa, uh, that wasn't his intention to make a weapon right he was doing his research and he was being a scientist and going where the science leads Mm -hmm. and he realized the the ramifications of what he had done but rather than taking the approach of how could this benefit our country which is a very logical and Mm -hmm. normal thought process right well i've developed Mm -hmm. something how can i benefit myself uh it was a very sobering thing for him and there, so there's a lot of, you're talking about stewardship earlier, and that's something that I've really been thinking about lately in my own life. So I think mm. that's big, is as Christians, you know, we have the ability to develop and learn new things. I've thought about social media, right? And when people made Twitter mm. and Facebook, they weren't being good stewards and thinking about the things that they were making, because now all of these sites have spiraled out of control, they've helped start genocides, mm-hmm. they you know, m- uh, misinformation left and right, yep. you know, you can talk about, oh, well, it's done all this good stuff. But you know, we're not counting the cost yeah. of what these sites, the are mediated reality is, right? Yeah, so, yeah we've, we've talked about that on here for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. so with, with Zawa, he is counting that cost of like, I have to burn all of the evidence and I have to give my own life to make mm-hmm. sure that this never sees the light of day. That is incredibly sobering in a world where we have smart devices that we can continually view trafficked and abused women. Right. There's, you know, there's mm-hmm. hundreds of horrible things we can do with these devices, but we're not mm-hmm. thinking through what these things can actually do because it benefits us. I, well, I can text my wife. I can check my email. I can do a podcast, you know. So I, I think that stewardship, that the seriousness he took that is important in the same way that Dr. Yamani, you know, I, I he's almost trying to plunder Egypt. Right. Just being like, how can mm-hmm. I take this very horrible situation and find something good out of it? 'Cause again, he was thinking the benefit of the of the whole, not just for himself, but how can I try to bring healing not only to people, but you know, obviously Godzilla didn't choose to get bombed, right? So he was thinking right. it from a very empathetic standpoint as well, being like, like he's, Godzilla is he's a, a living victim.
1: creature. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yep.
2: Yeah. So there's there's that element you're talking about victim and victimizer. You know, that's that's super important. One of the things I learned in my pastoral uh care and abuse classes, the The line between victim and abuser is very thin. Mm -hmm. It's very, Mm -hmm. you you go back and forth. I mean, it's unfortunate, but it happens. And I think there is something there to be said, especially in our current uh, climate, of understanding that, you know, even abusers, even the worst people, that you know, that we deem worst, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. These are still people that have been hurt. Like Rush Limbaugh.
1: Well, a lot of time those folks have been hurt, right? And that's that's exactly it. Like, Hurt people, exactly hurt people, hurt people kind of mm-hmm. deal.
2: Yeah. You know, so you look at like Rush Limbaugh, right? You could argue he has had a horrible influence on the way you're talking about journalism earlier. You know, the way, way we handle news, the way we handle people we disagree with. But at the end of the day, this is someone who is still made in the image of God. This is someone that had families and family and friends who are now hurting, you know, yeah, and yeah. possibly he hurt them. Like, so it's it's such an intricate web That we don't think about. So when we can get a giant monster to make us think about like, oh, maybe this quote unquote abuser is actually a victim as well. And maybe I should try to find a way to not only help the people in its wake, but what could I do to potentially heal it as well? yeah and i i know you brought
0: up rush mm. but my my mind immediately went to ravi zacharias uh-huh. and i don't
2: know if you've seen
0: yeah you know, I, so did, I didn't
2: want to open that can of worms but yes, <laughs> yes. But, yeah
0: but i just did i guess but i mean <laughs> and and this isn't the podcast to get all into that because we'll have a topic toss-up i'm sure i think we'll by talk this time the topic eventually. toss-up
1: on ravi might be out i don't know
0: maybe yeah we'll see we'll see when that when that comes out so we don't necessarily have to dive into that here but yeah you're right like understanding just there's Complexities there. That's not to get him off the hook. It's not to get anybody not off the hook. All. But no, evil
1: evil, and that that's why Christ
0: had to die. Like that's that's the whole thing. But yeah, you don't evil your way out of more evil. Correct. Right? Like right. someone so, has exactly. to Overcome step evil in
2: with, with good, with love. Right? I yeah. mean, that's that's a continual scriptural commandment to not return evil with evil. You know, Jesus. That is not an over spiritualization. Right? right? When he says turning the other cheek, you could go and try to figure out what did that mean in the first century. Point is don't do it back. Don't like love your yeah. enemies. <laughs> yeah. Like, huh.
0: Yeah. And and the thing about it, and I think the reason why we spend so much time in the head game on it mm-hmm. is it doesn't happen without personal cost. Absolutely. There is no way to treat evil with good and not get burned, not have to sacrifice not have not to give hurt. something up. Not have to die to yourself mm-hmm. in the process. Mm-hmm. That is the call of the Christian wife. That's why it's the. That's why it's the narrow road. Mm-hmm. That's why it's pick up your instrument of execution and follow me. That's the whole like the th- That's what he told us to do. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. what Paul taught people to expect. Right, and so yeah. yeah. Uh, in in a sense,
1: and not that uh, Ishra Honda was trying to like picture Sarazawa as a Christ, but, like, the fact that he had to sacrifice everything, and like David was saying, he was just trying to do his job, kind of stumbled into what appeared to be a solution for the problem, but, if left unchecked, would create an unlimited host of problems, Yeah, kind of with the whole nuclear panic and all that. Like, if the oxygen destroyer, Uh like, if the... The military industrial complex got the plans, got a hold of it. Like, it could literally do unending damage. And I mean,
0: in a way, too, this is a dumb take, but Sirizawa is also kind of uh, the picture of all the ways guys get themselves into trouble with women. Because really, the whole thing started when he tells the the girlfriend. (laughs) And, yeah. But if he didn't, Godzilla would keep going.
1: Yeah. Well, then, you know, maybe they could try the other guy's way. The other guy didn't have a way. He's like, let's he's study. He's just it. like, let's study. And it. he's let's like, study. hey, can you stop to destroying Tokyo <laughs> yeah. and let me study it? Guys, he's just like- move
2: Tokyo. <laughs> Here, if we get a really big rope, we can throw it around his neck and tie him up. Yeah, it's just not going to so, work. So yeah.
1: that's the, like, the the folly of man and the violence kind of necessitated... Sarazawa's oxygen destroyer to be the solution but it was also it's a tragedy it's a—it's mm-hmm. actually a tragedy yeah. that that has to be the solution and the only full way to kind of close the circle of violence is to destroy all the plans and then have himself be the one to go implement it so that his knowledge kind of dies with him too mm-hmm. yeah. all this from a monster Steve. movie right?
0: yeah it is really good to kind of put it in that Aristotelian framework of like, okay, what kind of story? Like, it is a tragedy. 100%. There's no one wins. Like, this whole thing happens, and because Godzilla,
1: know. an innocent creature, was acted upon, became yeah. an instrument of destruction. The scientist who was trying to help humanity is like, man, now I got to kind of destroy now i kind yeah. of got to destroy creation in order to kind of help other aspects of cre- like it's a mess
0: what's the role and maybe david you, you could comment on this like like the fact that this is all happening to japan mm-hmm. like that that always felt like really interesting in the movie that like they're almost they don't have the agency in it this testing like you said they never even mention it in the movie they just kind of say this testing is happening but it's not their testing and this monster comes and then attacks them, mm-hmm. which is not their fault. And then all these innocent people in these cities get wrecked.
2: And I mean, they is didn't that any anything. different than war, though? I mean, that's, yeah. you know, you're talking mm-hmm. about the fire bombings. I looked it up. I mean, I, unless I looked at it wrong, I mean, there was almost half a million people that died because of the bombings compared to the fire bombings. So it was quite a bit more along with the long-term effects. But the point being innocent people died i mean they're in oh, war wow. the, like on a the,
1: crazy scale yeah. yeah yeah so
2: the thing that as a as a i don't want to say i'm a pacifist i say i practice just peacemaking is the phraseology um but as someone who abhors war it's largely because we've moved away from the intimacy of war it used to be if i'm going to kill someone i gotta stab him up close right then you moved the <laughs> bows and arrows, so mm-hmm. you kind of added a little distance, mm-hmm. and then you had rifles. And you, what was it? You know, don't shoot till you see the wide of their eyes, right? So there's still an intimacy there, but now we just drop bombs on people. We yeah, do it just from freaking and... computers now, yeah, right? You know, mm-hmm. so thanks Obama. Yeah. Um, you know, so <laughs> right? it, it's there's there's <laughs> something here where the bombs, the, these atomic bombs, are indiscriminate. Right. They don't care who you are. I'm just going to kill you. And yeah. that's what we're seeing here with Godzilla. There's no logic or reason. Godzilla doesn't know who bombed. He's just he's pissed. So he's mm-hmm. just going to go. And, you know, and, and part of it, too, and we and see probably this in,
1: move in the direction of the tanks and the. Well, folks he's attracted to, to the, the lights. That's the yeah. thing
2: is you'll notice he's attracted to the lights there. But in later films, there's one in 2001 And this is the one that helped set me on this track of viewing the film through kind of like an allegorical lens is that movie takes Godzilla coming back to life in a way. And he embodies the spirits of all of the Asian people uh, who had died in the war that Japan had, in a way, collectively forgotten about. So it's almost like all of these voices crying out from the ground and it turns into this Godzilla figure, right? That's a
1: GMK, right? Yeah. 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 Shout out so, to the most recent and final episode of the Kaiju Apostle, right?
2: Correct. So, yeah, so all of that said, I mean, it's just it's more than just a, you know, it, it's not even necessarily a Japan is guilty here. But it's really, again, the 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 way that with our current are at that point, even still current view of warfare, civilians were caught in the middle of it. There's there's no way to. I don't know if people didn't care, but that was the way that people just like we got to win at whatever cost. And apparently the cost was men, women and children didn't matter. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's tough, right? Like in all of these cases, right, the industries of the nation, the companies and the things that make up the peacetime industrial operations Mm -hmm. end up becoming. Nationalized and used for the war machine, so it's like, yeah, these things are right next to homes, right next to schools, right next to, yep. And and that's not even counting the things where things were intentionally placed in those areas to shelter them, to make them harder targets, things like that. So like,
1: yeah, war war is messy and ugly,
0: and Mm. and yeah, it's not like the government's like, well, let's put all of our like potential bombing targets in one area away from all the civilians so that none of our people get hurt. There's a lot of strategic reasons why, you know, disincentives for them to do that. Sure. And mm-hmm. it, it does cause us to ask questions like, why don't we prioritize human life more? Like, sometimes there's a lot of things in life where it's like, there's just the way that we do things. And we think, well, that's the way it's done because that's the way it needs to be done. But those ruts kind of keep us from imagining what it would look like to have different priorities.
2: Yeah.
1: Yep. And that's kind of exemplified. In the um, in the town hall type scenes where they are trying to, as a society, figure out what to do, there really is so much to these movies. No,
2: there, there absolutely are. And it, again, it's just that perception of when you when you think of Godzilla, what do you think of? Right. And I mean, I'll be honest. You know, as a kid, I. I've never thought about stuff like this, right? No, certainly not. My son loves Godzilla.
1: I'm sure he is not thinking about ethics ever when he's like making punching and fighting sounds and explosion sounds. It's it's fun to watch. Yeah, I mean,
2: you know, when I was a small kid, between Jaws and Godzilla, I'd cry when the monsters died, right? I'm just like, why do they have to die? You know, I just, I didn't understand that. But, Mm. you know, in saying that, it's the same reason why, you know, going through like Ultraman with my son – you know i'm very conscious and being like okay so you understand like we're watching this movie but just because they're fighting doesn't mean that's something that we should be doing right so mm-hmm. or you know we talk about like why this conflict is happening so just cuz i didn't do that as a kid like i'm trying to do that with my children now because there there are a lot of things happening here in the godzilla films at least i would argue in the 50s to 70s the show ones, era, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. that really have something to say not just to that culture but to future generations as well you just to be trite you just have to have ears to hear right it's just mm-hmm. it's not always right there in front of you except for this movie I mean it's just hits boy, you oh boy it, it blinds <laughs> yeah. you with it there's no way around it yeah but again as a kid I watched the 56 version which is the Americanized version and it, I, I I don't go as far as some people say as a whitewash this movie it absolutely didn't but It definitely did not. It kind of took away the power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a way, it neutered what was trying to be done, for sure.
1: So if any of you guys are interested in watching this film, watch the original 1954 version with the subtitles. It's, Mm. It's much more affecting.
0: Mm-hmm. I was going to ask too. So we talked about this and setting this up and the timing here. Mm-hmm. Like there's a new Godzilla movie coming out. Can't yeah. wait. Godzilla versus Godzilla Kong. Versus like, Kong. A, as you guys think about that, just hopefully not spoiling anything from any trailers or obviously like you're trying to, they're always in that like weird thing before a movie where it's like, I don't want to see too much about it. Cause I really want to enjoy I, the experience. I
1: don't, but like some of it's already been spoiled and yeah. I'm amped for it. <laughs> but like, <laughs>
0: Without doing any of that for anybody else who might be in that same boat, like would you hear about you this matchup when you it. hear about this production? how does some of these themes and knowing about some of this like get you amped for that? or are these just totally different?
1: I totally I mean I'll let, I'll, let David, <laughs> I'll let David have the final word, but yeah, I would say I'm excited just to see some crazy monster action in Godzilla vs. Kong. I'm sure there will be some because, yeah, without getting spoily like the heart of all these conflicts is the folly of man and what we set ourselves up for. And the monsters are kind of an exaggerated depiction of the consequences of our actions that are typically selfish and a lot of times capitalistic and like the things we do for our gain or to cut corners or to like not think of our neighbors just so that we can benefit ourselves. Like the monsters typically exemplify aspects of that. But really, Godzilla versus Kong is just going to be some real, real pretty kaiju action. It's going to be bananas. Can't wait.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't freaking wait though. It's yeah. so good. I'm so no. sad that
2: final word. The dad joke, or you got more on that? <laughs> no, I, I got more. No, I, I'm excited too. I mean, I was that guy that I saw King of the Monsters three times in theaters. And as Same I saw it, saw it each time, I liked it less and less, to the point Ooh. that I, I don't even remember the last time I watched it. Uh, it's better than Rise of Skywalker, I'll give it that. But <laughs> it's, it, 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 so it's just one of those that's movies. That's kind of not hard. No. Uh, so it, it's one of those movies that, and I say this leading up to, there's a reason, up to Godzilla vs. Kong. So King of the Monsters just felt like all spectacle to me, but it was trying to be substantial and I didn't get anything from that personally. Mm. It it just felt like, it felt like okay. How do you take every cliche out of a Godzilla movie for like the general populace, the way that they might view Godzilla, and let's cram it into a movie? And I get it. The guy the who directed it, he was a huge fanboy. I'm also the opinion sometimes that I don't want a wow. fanboy. I'm a little in a surprised. Movie.
1: That, like I didn't think it had a terrible amount of substance. I mean, there was some of the eco terrorist stuff that I thought mm-hmm. had. A teeny bit of substance but like I just loved
2: it as a spectacle like yeah, seeing
1: Ghidorah yeah. look that like Ghidorah yeah, I mean, was incredible there's, there's some
2: fun parts but to me when I'm seeing Godzilla vs. Kong I'm like okay this reminds me of the way I felt when I saw Pacific Rim for the first time and I'm really excited about that like I would be absolutely fine if Godzilla vs. Kong was completely like absent of substance and if it was just a lot of fun as long as it's like Committed to that. That's kind of yes, where I'm at. Where I'm true. like, if you're gonna do something, just okay, commit to it.
1: Yeah, be your and style. Yeah. I think though that Kong will have. I mean, some spoilers that I don't want to share based on stuff that is probably pretty common knowledge in the the monster movie fan community. Like, I think that Godzilla versus Kong will be a little bit more substantive than King of the Monsters.
2: Yeah, we'll see. I just, but either I'm, way, it's gonna
1: be dope.
2: Yeah, I know personally, like Kong Skull Island is my favorite movie out of that series so far so So seeing seeing more kong i'm absolutely for it and if anyone has to win i put my money on kong so money on kong are you even a godzilla
1: fan david (laughs)
3: wow wow shots fine Sweet. So David, here at The Substance, we like to have our guests that come on, uh, give us a substance shout out. If you have a book or a podcast or music or any type of substantive content that you've been consuming, just share with the audience what, what you've been engaging in recently.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'll share two books that I'm reading right now. Is that cool?
3: Yeah, absolutely. It it, yeah. Okay.
2: So the one that I can see out of my perifs is Who's Afraid of Postmodernism by James K. Smith. So Hmm. I have an absolute man crush on Jamie Smith here. He is my favorite Calvinist. Um, super, super I'm personally
1: offended, David,
2: just kidding. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you start writing some books like this and we'll talk. Right. So, uh, Jamie Smith is definitely very Augustinian in his approach, but the point is with this book, he, he, uh, addresses a few different postmodern maxims. Like, you know, uh, there's nothing outside of the text. There's a couple other ones as well. And trying to be like, okay, as the church, and this is 2006, by the way. As a church, we can either be afraid of postmodernism or we can look at it and help it draw us back to a more ancient way of thinking. He's really big into going back to, like, a uh, again, Augustinian, patristic, uh, early church rooted framework of the way that we not only view the world, but the way that we practice and worship oh, and our liturgies. Yeah. Uh, he wrote a book called You Are What You Love, which is. I honestly think.
1: Oh, I've heard of that
0: one. Yeah. He also uh, uh, did a "On the Road with Saint Augustine," which I just uh, recently heard about as
2: well. Yes, that book is incredible. That was the first book I read this year. It was very, very, very good. Um, nice. So definitely. So that's "Who's
1: Afraid of Postmodernism?" You said. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So it, it's good. It's just it's one of those things again. Just kind of. I, I think as Christians, you know, whether it's postmodernism, critical race theory, we don't have to agree with these things, but it's super important to actually know what they are instead of dealing with caricatures Mm -hmm. so as a philosopher himself he's very good at being able to unpack that um the other book i'm reading is how to think by dr alan jacobs so he is a anglican thinker down at baylor and this book is definitely Required reading for people who uh, engage online, or really just engage in general, whether it's politics, religion, etc. Um, but he's very big on trying to do away with the uh, what we have. Maybe we don't say it, but how we live as the uh, like repugnant cultural other, I think, is how he frames that the RCO. Um, mm. <laughs> but how we can have conversations with people and not immediately view them as monstrous, as you know troublesome, problematic, toxic, all these words that we throw out. Yeah. It's it's a very, very easy book. Like I'm blowing through it. Um, he's very witty. Uh, I've been going through his blog for like in the past couple of days. I've been reading like the past couple of years. I'm just going through and reading everything. Um, but it's nice. a very good book. Definitely recommend it. Nice. That sounds like
1: a really good one mm-hmm. for I'm trying audience. to remember. Have you read that? I
2: think I might have read that one. Yeah. Nice. It's got a pair of uh, glasses on there. Yep. It sounds yep. like, is I this a book it. about glasses? I'm like, <laughs> no, it's <is laughs>
1: not. Yeah. Also, David, before I let you go, what are some next steps if somebody wanted to get more into some of the either just fun, enjoyable, or some of the mm-hmm. thoughtful monster movies? What would you okay. suggest?
2: So a good blend of both is I would start with the Gamera trilogy, which was done in the nineties. Um, the 2001 Godzilla movie discussed is by the same director. Um, but despite the fact like on paper, it's a giant flying turtle who's trying to protect the earth does not sound that deep or interesting. Um, but the, the three films are arguably, I think some of the best giant monster films and honestly just great movies in general. Hmm. Um, I definitely, definitely recommend those. Uh, apart from that...
1: 100% percent co that.
2: Yeah, apart from that, uh, The Host by Bong Joon-ho. Oh. Um,
1: no, the, the Gamera films are so, so good. Some of the best, I think, all around for the, the technology and the story and the spectacle. And super enjoyable, so highly recommend those. Uh, he mentioned All Monsters Attack, um, also known as Godzilla's Revenge. I think it's just so much fun. It gets a lot of a lot of flack. I I am um, always defended online when it comes up. It's super great. If you and
2: like I... the deeper themes dealing with like war and stuff, there's a movie called Atragon that's also really good. Um, very minimal monster. So it's like takes up maybe three minutes of the whole movie. Um, but if you really want to get into like themes about patriotism, nationalism, uh, pacifism, stuff like that, that one's really good too.
0: Interesting. All right. We'll link all
2: these in there. David, thanks so much for
0: uh, joining us today. Yeah, my pleasure. um, if people want to catch you or your next project or your podcast, where can they find where you're at and what you're doing?
2: So by the time this comes out, uh, our new podcast is going to be public. Uh, It's called Saved by the Belial, an atrocious Ultraman podcast so chris and i we're going to be going through the ultraman series uh but the catch is instead of like devoting an entire podcast episode on a single show or a single episode so in ultraman he only has three minutes to fight it's called the color timer so we only have three minutes to discuss an episode of a show so we have to move on to the next one so it's kind of try to keep the energy up I right i like that so- wow mm. So you can find us. It'll be uh, it's technically atrocious pod, but uh, and the, the when they try to say that on the show they say atrocious. So it's a, a atrocious pod uh, that'll be on Twitter uh, atrociouspod.wordpress.com will be our website. Um, as for my individual Twitter account, if I don't end up deleting it again, it would just be uh, <laughs> Toku theologian. So uh, T O K U and then theologian. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's really all I'm doing right now, you know, cause I spent a whole bunch of money to get a master's degree and I'm not doing anything with it. So that's about it.
0: <laughs> oh man. That's a mood right there.
3: <laughs> so how, yeah, right. How,
1: yeah. Uh, how many episodes are you guys going to be, how many Ultraman episodes are you guys going to be covering per show?
2: Uh, it depends like on time? the show, right? So like with the original series, it'll probably be about 10 episodes per show. So about a half hour show whoa, or so. Whoa. Um, and then some of the shows only have like 12 episodes. Episodes, so we're going to break it up into six and six. So nice. it just it depends, but it'll probably be about four episodes per show.
1: I'm so, excited to check that out.
2: Yeah, nice. the, the yes, goal the fun. goal is to because all of these Ultraman shows are now legal, uh, and you can view Thank them you really Mil-Creef. easily here in the United Thank you so States. Much. Oh, absolutely. So the goal is to invite people who have never watched these shows to wa- be able to watch them with us. Where I mean, if they wanted to go, because we're bi-weekly right? So it's like you could watch one episode a night and you're going to stay on track with us awesome so
0: well thanks for the invite i might take you up on that it's a lot Trevor, of fun come
2: on over let's All watch
0: right. some
1: Ultraman. there you go
0: <laughs> yeah hey could be fun absolutely and this was a lot of fun so yeah thanks so much for your time
2: tonight david yeah absolutely hopefully uh, ksp listens to this one there
0: you <laughs> go. yeah we'll be like I'll hey you heard her. about our
2: friend I david? Mean, we talked about frankenstein right of course she's got to care about it yeah exactly yeah you no, just tag Chris- that Chris, actually, my co-host is the one who uh, introduced me to her, and I, I've really been wanting to get into some of her books here. I just I keep telling myself I'm like I'm not buying any more books till I read at least another shelf or two, so it's all library, and my library on doesn't have well. any of her stuff. So
1: on reading well is incredible.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks again for joining us. It. Absolutely, today. it was a lot, a lot of fun. Have a good night, guys. All right, we'll see you. Again. See ya. Well, guys, that was david marshall from the kaiju apostle podcast and as he just announced saved by was it belial i
1: believe that's what the he said. ultraman
0: we'll have a link in His the show notes ultraman podcast. it's a new ultraman podcast it's gonna be real dope really really pretty cool concept there yeah hope you enjoyed this exploration of this monster movie that maybe went a little bit deeper than most people thought If you guys
1: appreciate what we're doing here at The Substance and want to support us and partner with us, uh, the two main ways you can do that are become a monthly supporter on the Anchor link in our show notes. Sign up at whatever monthly amount you are comfortable with. Whether it's a couple bucks a month, ten bucks a month, whatever works for you, we appreciate everybody who partners with us. We are going to be working on getting some specific goals out to you here, so that you guys can know more mm. how to support if you're so interested. Uh, and there's also Cash App if you want to, if you don't want to, if monthly support is just not something you want to deal with, but you want to send us a little bit here and there when you really like a show that we do. Uh, you can find us on Cash
3: App at Dollar sign, The Substance Pod. And for every episode that you see the letter S, donate $5.
0: (laughs) That's like every episode.
3: (laughs) 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 That's good work. Good work. Uh, Follow us on Instagram. facebook and twitter at the substance pod there you can interact with us definitely give us a follow um there we will also have uh the episodes that have dropped we will have our giveaways our substance shout outs and you can leave us a comment give us a reflection of what you thought about the episode and uh, we'd love to just engage and interact on our social media platforms
1: and also we haven't said this in a while rate and review It always helps us, and we will try to be featuring more of those on the show and and thanking you personally when you do that.
0: Yeah, it doesn't have to be, like, the most eloquent thing in the whole world if you just, like, write a couple lines about what you like.
3: Let somebody know why you like it. Yeah. Absolutely. And don't forget, we are on YouTube. So follow us, subscribe, and hit that notification bell on YouTube. That way, uh, any new episode that drops will pop right up on your YouTube feed. And write us
0: an email. We're at the substancepod at gmail.com. We'll give you the substance guarantee. Trev's gonna read 100 percent of the emails that get sent in and and I might. this next month. And Philip might read some.
1: I might. I probably will. Yeah. It'd, be, like I it'd be
0: pretty dope. And you should also give us a call at our phone number. It is 913-703-3883. Give us some thoughts. Give us some feedback or testimonials or just a personal story. If it's good stuff, we will put it on the show. Well, as always, we appreciate you guys joining in with us and we will see you next week.
3: Um, Sorry, uh, 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 I
0: went over you there. Say that again. No, it's fine, dude. It's it's different totally tracks. tracks. It's, it's totally legit, dude. Like, honestly, you to be on it, man. I even that. If it's good stuff, we will put it on the show. Or
1: let us know what you think you would... uh...
0: Or let us know what you think you... Gosh dang it. Forget that. Mm. Don't let us know what you think. (laughs) The end. Thanks. Don't let us know what you you think. think.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Don't let us know what you think.